Ladies and gentlemen, the recipient of the National Jefferson Award and the number one New York Times best-selling author, your host, Dave Pelzer. Hello, America and world at large. This is your host, Dave Pelzer. How are you today? Hopefully, we're all doing better. A little bit of good news on the virus. We'll talk about that momentarily. But as always, just wanted to say thank you so much for giving us a listen. I know how busy everybody is. Again, there's a lot of anxiety out there, a lot of uncertainty. But for you to uh, have me, if if you're driving around or taking a walk, or maybe you're just relaxing, having a cup of coffee, I truly mean it. Thank you so much. These shows mean an awful lot to me, and I hope and pray with all I am and all that I do, that it makes a slight difference in your life, that it gives you a nugget that you can put in your backpack on your journey of life, maybe give you a boost, a shot in the arm, maybe see things differently, maybe uh, uh, remember something you might have forgotten, or maybe just, just hopefully to give you that one more motivational step, you know, in this journey of life that we're going through right now. So, uh, hope you're doing well. Always hope you're doing well, for goodness sakes. And uh, with the virus, a uh, little bit of good news. Uh, as of this week, it's been announced that there's 28 separate vaccines that are being tested. And that's still going to take a long time. It's not going to be overnight. And I'm happy to report that uh, I was working this weekend, this last weekend in the Russian River area, Monterio. And for the first time, I actually saw people going to the beach wearing masks. So, folks, thank you for doing that. Keep doing that. A little bit of disappointing news I saw in the news uh, early this morning that there was party boats. And, 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 and yes, they're only 50% filled to capacity, but there's no social distancing and people not wearing masks. So, please, common sense, wear that mask and social distance. Please, please, please. So, as always, the, the first question of the show is you. Because these shows are really about you. How are you doing? Are you getting good sleep? Are you resting? Are you getting enough exercise? Because some of the states are under partial lockdown again, which, you know, should we should not be a surprise, for goodness sakes. Look at Florida. Florida is just the epicenter. It's, it's just going out of control, for goodness sakes. But uh, please, you know, work the program. I, I, I try to get up at a certain time every day, work out five times a week. Uh, do chores around the house, do some outside chores around the house, do a special project. But it's so vital that we kind of work our own program, that you do something positive every day. And it's also important, excuse me, it's also important that you do three to five little things for yourself every day. Whether it is that cup of coffee or reading that paper or doing a puzzle or taking a nap, reading, binge and watch a little TV for goodness sakes. Do Teeny tiny things that are positive for you, particularly if you're a parent, particularly if you're, you have to take care of others. you got to take care of yourself first, ladies and gentlemen. Please, please do that. All right. Now, our last show, is a, a, this is the second part of a two-part show. The last show, we talked about denial and how denial can be dangerous. And it, it's amazing. It, it can only take a short amount of time, maybe a few months, Maybe a few years. And it can be about anything. Maybe we don't do our homework if we're kids. We lie to our parents. We lie about this. It's always the teeny tiny things that add up. It's almost like 
I, I, I haven't seen my friend in a while, but I saw him a few months ago, and my friend's weight is just out of control. Now, I've always known he had bad eating habits. We all knew, but we didn't say anything, really. You know, we joked around. But it's amazing now, you know, the health issues of being diabetic and, 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 and the other heart conditions, high blood pressure. I mean, my goodness gracious, you know, and my friend is still in denial. It's like, nah, this is okay. It's all right. Well, you're an adult. Do what you want. But particularly like uh, with relationships, I, I think with relationships and, you know, I've, I've, I've had, you know, great relationships and, you know, some that weren't so healthy, so positive. I think sometimes we stay in those relationships longer than we should. Because we're always thinking, if I can go back in time, I can fix this. Back to the future. If I can go back in time and, and do this one thing, relive the honeymoon over again, a place where we fell in love, maybe the first time where we made love, we always want to kind of go back in time to fix something, but you can't. And sometimes we stay in these relationships longer than we should. And we suck the oxygen out of it. And sometimes in relationships, love is just not enough. And I think our next show, we're going to talk about love and divorce. I, I got a, an email from a lady, and I believe she's going through a divorce or maybe about to go through a divorce. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But denial can be so, so dangerous. Your esteem. Can you imagine what it does to your esteem? Every day you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like what you see, and you're just like, oh, okay. It's not that bad. I can quit anytime I want. Uh, it doesn't really have that much effect over me. It's not that bad, blah, blah, blah. That's a hard thing to do is look at, you know, what we call take inventory. To take inventory of yourself, where you're at in your life, and your actions and inactions. Denial can be dangerous. So in the last episode, I gave the example when I was four years of age how my mom, by accident, did not was not premeditated, pulled my arm out of the socket. And I gave you a little bit of a homework assignment. I said, look for at least two people that are in denial. Two people. Well, the answer to that is really three. My grandmother, number one. If you remember, I've told you the story about uh, at an early age that my mom, as a form of punishment, would have me stand in front of a mirror and yell, I'm a bad boy, I'm a bad boy. Over and over. I mean, for like half an hour, an hour or so at a time. And my grandmother would actually walk in, put her hands on her hips, look down at me and just huff, you're the sorriest child I have ever seen. So my grandmother obviously knew there was a problem. In the story, we talked about how my mother, again, pulled my arm out of the socket. The next morning, exclaimed as she woke up how I fell out of the bed and she tried to catch me and then she ran me to the doctor's office and the story was more pronounced, let's say, more dramatic. And here's the thing. The doctor looked at me and I looked at him and I'm like, whatever. But I don't know medically wise, I mean, if it's medically possible, if a child fell from a bunk bed, that the arm will be somehow pulled from its socket. That's, 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 that's EMT, EMR 101 to me. But the doctor didn't say anything. He gave me a look and I gave him a look like, whatever. And then my father, a firefighter, I gave you the example how my father either gave me a nickel or a dime and either it slipped out of his hand or I didn't receive it and how it just fell to the floor within a matter of a second. So I don't think 
that uh, uh, my mother's story gels, that she heard me screaming. She jumped out of her bed. She threw on her robe. She opened her door. She ran down the hallway. She opened another door, and I somehow slipped right through her fingers. So you have denial, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about it's not about you. It's about those around you as well and how it affects them. It's just like a virus. I mean, you want to tie that in perfectly. It's like a virus. It spreads. It, it, and, and, and it gestates. And it becomes the norm, for goodness sakes. It's, it's, it's really sad. I remember, uh, my goodness, years ago, it was the late, late, late 80s, uh, there was a show called The Roseanne Bar Show with Roseanne and John Goodman. And, and what it was, it was the opposite of the Bill Cosby show. The Bill Cosby show was a very well-to-do family, up-and-coming family, uh, professional parents. The kids were good kids, you know, and, and it was just little things about life. And the Roseanne Barr show was the opposite. It was about hardworking, middle America family trying to keep it together, you know, and, and it was pretty gritty. I mean, you, you had the, 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 the disconnected daughter in her teenage years, very depressing. And, and then you had the invisible little boy with esteem issues, very sensitive little boy. You had the dramatic sister and you had uh, John Goodman's character who played Dan, you know, having health issues. And they were just one step away from possibly making it, possibly holding everything together. And Roseanne's character, the matriarch of the family, and at the same time, she was uh, uh, always serving out chum, per se, the, the soup of chum you know, pulling strings or just antagonizing and so forth. And I remember watching the show as a young person when it came out. And it was, it was quite funny because it was the opposite of the Bill Cosby show. And years later, in my 40s, I was cooking. I was alone. And one of the things I love to do is cook. I just, I, I love, I give good cook. I love to cook. And usually I have music in the background. Or I'll, I'll have like an old uh, black and white movie playing. I just, I'm, I, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm a romantic. I love those nostalgic films. But for some reason, uh, the Roseanne Barr show was on, and I wasn't really paying attention. And then I was cutting, and I had to put down my knife because I was getting kind of shaky there. There was a scene in which Roseanne's character is yelling at her husband for eight minutes straight. I just couldn't believe it. And the intensity of the acting is yelling at her husband for eight minutes straight. I just couldn't believe it. And the intensity of the acting and the yelling and so forth. And it just, it, it kind of gave me the shakes. And yet back in the day, that was normal. All that yelling in the show was normal. And it's amazing how, you know, time and tide, especially again with relationships. Because, you know, you, you want to go back in time to try to fix things. And then you have to look at yourself at what you did and what you didn't do. And you've got to be honest You've got to be honest, whether it's a business relationship that didn't work out, an intimate relationship. You know, maybe, maybe we didn't spend uh, enough time with the kids. Maybe there's an issue with something. Maybe there's a medical situation that we just deny. And then we discover, okay, you, you know, you've, you've got cancer. This is serious. You've got maybe four months to live. I remember when I was in foster care, uh, I, I went to this junior high school and I, I had the worst clothes and worst hygiene and no social skills. And I, I was doing a project with a young lady and she was a tall lady, a big, thick lady, uh, a, a young girl. And, and we were both bullied. 
24-7 in, 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 in the schoolyard, just every day. It was just terrible. And there was a school dance, and we both decided, well, let's just go and see how it goes. You know, let's see how, what happens. And I remember walking up to her house, and I was hearing all these explosions. You know, d- 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 uh, things crashing against the wall, and I thought, you know, and all this yelling and screaming, I thought it was a really loud movie. Knocked on the door, and I can just hear and feel the the, the energy and, 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 and the, the madness. Open the door, and it wasn't a movie. It was just these people yelling at each other. And I can see the girl coming out and just cringing. And again, this was, I'm going, you guys fighting? No, this is normal. We're just loud talkers. Dad will throw a dish to get the attention of the boy. The boy will throw the dish back at mom. Some of the food ends up on the wall. And this was all normal behavior. It's sad. And for me, you know, kind of giving you part two of the story. Let's, Let's kind of set it up. I am now about nine years of age, and it's the summertime. And summer times for me were very, very hard because I couldn't steal any food because the schools are closed. And by this age, I, I, I am the family slave. It, it might have been that winter before. I was uh, downstairs in the basement. It was a Sunday afternoon. My parents were drinking and yelling, and I was the topic of discussion. And for some reason, my mom yelled for me to come up the stairs, and she had me stand in front of her and my father. Again, the position of address. I'm not allowed to look at anybody. I'm a, I'm, I'm a wooden soldier, basically. I'm in, you know. And, and, and she announced that I'm no longer a member of the family. And my father's immediate reply was, well, Irva, stop this. Come on. Come on. Just, just come on, stop this. And she just yelled, no, he's not a member of the family. He's not my child. He's going to be the slave. And she's just setting down the law. And my father's like, all right. Whatever, and he gives me the look like you know. I'll, give me some time. I'll talk to her. Give me, give me. Let me. Let's let this settle down. So now, a few months later in the summertime, I am the invisible child. My brothers are not allowed to look at me. They can walk through me. No one's allowed to say my name. I'm the boy. I'm transitioning. I transitioned from David to the boy to it, and we're in that transition from the boy to it. I do all the chores. Um, uh, maybe I'm allowed a few scraps of food if I'm lucky. So now it's the summertime. The family upstairs is eating. And I have to say this because I don't want to sound too terrible about my mother. She was, before the sickness, I really believe, and we'll talk more about that later. She, 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 she was a beautiful person inside and out. She was the most adoring mother there was on this planet. But as I've said before, hurt people hurt people. And my mother, of all things, was the most amazing cook. I'm downstairs in the basement, and I'm falling asleep on and off. I'm sitting on top of my hands. I'm at the base of the stairs. My head is backwards against the head of a nail, and it was really painful. And you know what's amazing, too? And I'm going to go on just a slight riff here. Maybe you can... This aligns with you. It's not the pain that we remember, it's always that, that sense of humiliation when someone puts that finger in your face, when someone yells at you, when someone implodes upon you. It's amazing how we can remember and then tap into that. That's a trigger. For me, and I have to be honest with you folks, my biggest trigger I've noticed in the last, goodness, maybe 10, 15 years 
as I'm when I feel unappreciated or humiliated. I I get very very upset, and it's just something again from my childhood, and I have to recognize these things so I can become a better person, so I can stop that bad behavior, or not be in denial that it's not my problem. But when I feel I'm 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 been disrespected. Or, you know, just, just humiliated in some sense. I, I don't, I, I, I used to swallow it. But in the last few years, I'm kind of slowly trying to raise my hand and say, have boundaries and say no. Or, you know, just, just, just be, walk a, a different path. And it is hard, especially, at, at, you know, the longer you, you, you're in the course of your life. But back to the story, I'm in the bottom of the basement. And I, I can hear the family eating. And I can imagine myself being with a member of the family and having food and passing it around and smelling the food and so forth. And I guess I, I fell asleep. I was so tired because I don't sleep a lot because mother is always behind me, in front of me. There's a ghost of her everywhere I go. She's got eyes everywhere, she says, and I believe it. So I guess I fell asleep. I fell asleep and uh, my mother yelled for me to come up the stairs, open the door, enter the kitchen. And there's something different. Now, the problem that I have is I haven't eaten in many days, so I'm very tired. I don't have a lot of strength. I'm not sleeping very well. I sleep officially now on, on the army cot. It was a World War II uh, green-type wooden army cot, and I sleep in the bottom of the basement, and I use rags as a pillow and, 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 and as little blankets. I just layer them upon myself. So this is now the new norm. So I stand in front of my mother, and as always, you know, she gives me the time limit. If it wants something to eat, it has 30 minutes to do the dishes. Now, normally, uh, or sometimes, she would stop right there and start the clock, and I can start doing the dishes, and I hope and pray I can get them done in the allotted time. But sometimes, including this one time, she says you have 30 minutes to do the dishes, and she starts rambling and rambling and rambling. And when she does that, the clock still runs. And she'll stop rambling and goes, now you have five minutes to do the dishes, to clear the dinner table, clean the table, do the dishes, dry the dishes, and put them away. It's, I mean, it's obviously impossible. 30 minutes is impossible. I'm only a kid. I'm only a small kid, and I can barely reach over to get to the sink to do the dishes. So she starts rambling, and I, I did the ultimate crime, ladies and gentlemen. It was, I, I can't believe I did it. As I'm standing in front of her, I fell asleep. I was just so, so physically and psychologically spent, I actually fell asleep in front of her. And I don't know if she yelled at me or slapped me awake, but I was very startled. I couldn't even believe it. And then when I woke up, I noticed my, my, my younger brother, who was uh, starting, to, starting to walk on his own, Russell the fourth child. And, and he, you know, he, he clings onto mom's leg and like any kid does, you know, he kind of rocks a little bit and so forth. And he's looking at me and, and this is normal for him to hear the language, the intensity of her yelling at me. It's all normal for everybody in the family. My other two brothers just go outside and play. My father just checks out, either goes outside to watch the boys play or just sit on the couch and read his paper. He just checks out. So my mother is yelling at me. Russell is rocking on her leg. And, and, and my mother just grabs a knife. 
And she waves, if you don't do the dishes in a certain amount of time, I'm going to kill you. I am going to kill you. And I've, I was actually bored because I've heard this all before. I know she's not going to kill me because I thought, who's going to do your dishes? Who's going to scrub your toilets? I mean, I actually thought that. I mean, that's how crazy this situation was. And for some reason, I saw something unusual. My mother, of course, was a little drunk. And she's waving around the knife. My, 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 my little brother is rocking on her leg. And she kind of loses her balance. And I saw it for just a half of a nanosecond, a flash. And then I think I just blacked out. I remember waking up. And, and, and there was a sharp pain in my chest. And I saw, you know, uh, uh, spurts of blood just escaping my chest. And obviously I knew what happened. I was stabbed. And the most amazing thing, I remember, I think mom was holding me. You know, I'm down on the ground and, and she's got me toward her chest. She's on her knees basically and she has me toward her chest. And I remember looking up at her and she was very frantic. Her eyes were frantic. I think her hands were moving. And there was a lot of pain. And I think I, you know, I passed out a couple of times. But when I remember waking up and locking onto my, my mom's eyes. The first thought was, I forgive you. That was my first thought because I knew it was an accident. I knew she did not mean to stab me in the upper chest. I knew it was an accident. And I tried to, again, make lock on to her and have her lock on to me, but she was, again, frantic and busy. And I remember smiling. After I thought, okay, it's an accident, it's okay. I remember smiling because now I knew inside it's over. This whole charade, this game, this facade is completely over. You can't hide this. She tried to hide when my arm was pulled out of the socket. She would have me go to school with notes. Uh, the boy ran into the door. He ran into the bat. He fell down the stairs. When my arm was burned on the gas stove at age eight, she wrote a letter saying uh, the boy uh, was playing with matches. And that didn't even make any sense. But she couldn't hide this. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you something. This was so delusional. It affects me to this day in a weird, in a weird sense. I remember thinking, we're going to the hospital. And out of all the things I wanted, it wasn't food. It wasn't ice cream. It was clean sheets. Of all the things I love in life, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. I mean, it goes back to your my past as things go back to your past. Mine, I mean, if I had like Oprah money, every day I would have clean sheets. I love it I'll, I'll, on Fridays. I work a program, you know, and I try to go in, in the different fire stations or do some training with the Cal Fire uh, personnel. And I'll come down the hill and I'll look at this beautiful ocean and I come home and, and I, I, I keep my house very, very clean. And usually every Thursday or Friday, I have clean sheets. And to me, that is the best of the best. When I traveled quite a bit, I just loved wrapping myself in a cocoon. Because again, I slept on an army cot as a kid, so that affects me to this day. And just smelling clean sheets. But looking at my mom's face, I somehow realized within a, a matter of a second or two, that fantasy is never going to happen. 
my mother, before she married my father, was training to be a nurse. And she was always Johnny on the spot. Well, if someone fell down, you know, if a kid, neighborhood kid fell and scraped a knee or if something happened, mom was the first person to take care of business. And she was really good at what she did. So now I'm looking at my mom. I realize we're not going to the hospital. That's a fantasy. And she bandaged me up. She made like a tourniquet out of a T-shirt. I'll never forget this. She stood up, washed her hands, wiped them off, and said, you now have 40 minutes to do the dishes. And I was just in shock. If I may, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's amazing. You want to talk about a lesson in kinesiology 101. If you move your fingers, you're okay. If you move your wrist, your hand, it affects your, your, your midsection. Same thing with your toes. Wiggle your toes, no problem. Move your feet, move your ankle. Everything is connected to your midsection. And I remember trying to lean against the, the, the sink, the, the basin of the sink, and moving my hands and trying to like, I, I realized very quickly I couldn't do one dish at a time. I would wash four or five dishes and then try to huff and puff and put them in the rinse sink and then try to put them, you know, to, 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 where they were dry on the rack. And, and I almost passed out a few times. I just still couldn't believe it, but I was so trained to obey every command. I did as I was told. I did the dishes. And I felt sorry for myself, and I'm crying on the inside, I'm crying on the outside. And by luck, I heard the most amazing sound. The most amazing sound. The crackling of father reading his paper and turning the paper to the next page. It was a loud crackling sound. And I thought, oh my God, my father, this is it. This is the time. Oh my God. He's always waiting for something to happen. And then he'll finally, finally, finally jump in and save the day like Superman. And this is it. So I dared myself because I think mother was outside with her boys playing or watching the boys play. And I, 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 I made a decision. It was a life and death decision for me. I broke the rules and I, I couldn't walk. I shuffled. I shuffled over uh, uh, from the kitchen to the living room and there was father sitting, reading his paper. And, and I stood in front of the paper, like three or four feet in front of the paper. And I know father can hear me. He can smell me. I don't bathe. I have yellow waxy skin. I'm disgusting. And I stood in front of him and I'm waiting for him to say something. And he doesn't say anything. He knows I'm there. And then I remember I was kind of feeling kind of faint because I'm tired. I've expended a lot of energy. And the thing I remember, ladies and gentlemen, was the dripping of the blood. It went through the soaked t-shirts and a little uh, uh, tourniquet that mom had made. And I remember little droplets of blood falling on the carpet and forming a pool. And, and I can hear it. I'm sure my father can hear it. And after maybe a minute, I summoned the courage and I, I kind of stuttered because I, I wasn't allowed to speak. 
and I started that mama mom had mama mom stabbed me and there was no reply I said it again I tried to speak more clearly I tried to pronounce every syllable perfectly and again I, I feel faintish I've got again no food no energy nothing and on the second time, I remember Father just pulled the paper closer to his, his face because that was like the barrier, the wall. And he, he says something effect like, Jesus H. Christ, does your mother know you're here? Jesus H. Christ, you better go back there and do the dishes. I don't want any hell here tonight. We don't want that, do we? I can't stand another night like this. Go back there and do the dishes. And I couldn't believe it, ladies and gentlemen. My father, to me, was 100 foot tall, the strongest man in the world. He won World War II. He was in the Navy. My father's a superhero. He's a firefighter. He saves kids. When I grow up, I want to be a firefighter like Dad. I want to be a hero. I always imagined him as Superman, and this is it. I somehow imagined him in my little childlike mind. As soon as I said the words, Mama, Mom, stab me, he jumps up, you know, and he's in his firefighter outfit. You know, he's got, he's, got, he's got an axe in one hand and a hose in the other, and somehow we fly down the hallway out of the house and we fly to Never Never Land. You know, it's amazing, folks, people who suffer trauma as a child in particular. They've done a lot of studies on this, and that's why I think films like Marvel Comics and Action Heroes are so important to some of these young, young kids because they fly away from danger or they fly away from to a safety zone. And I somehow thought this this was the one, if there was ever a moment that Father would step up, this is it. And I stood in front of him for like maybe a full minute after he told me to get the heck out of there. And to me, he just evaporated. Everything about his essence was gone. He is never going to help me. He's accepted this Denial. He's accepted everything that's going around in the house. And it really, I think that was one of the lowest moments of my life. It really was. And I eventually shuffled my way back into the kitchen. And there's little things of blood there. And I'm going to have to wipe that up because I just don't have the strength to bend down to wipe up the blood. And Father comes in a few minutes later. And he kind of, you know, he goes to the wash area. When I was a very young boy, father was the type of person that would, you know, that was a big thing, a thrill, if, if, if you were allowed to dry the dishes with dad. Anything to do with dad, that was a huge thing. So he kind of washes the dishes and puts them in this, the, the rinse sink for me. And I kind of, I didn't shove him, you know, I didn't nudge him, but it's like, I don't want anything to do with you. If you won't do anything, I don't want anything to do with you. The dishes got done, and I think Father gave me something to eat. And I go down to the stairs, and Mother greets me, which was really frightening because she's smiling at me, and 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 she, you know, she brings me to her chest, and she strips me down, and puts on new T-shirts and so forth, and another tourniquet. And she did something that didn't make any sense. She fed me, and she says, "Go outside and play with your brothers. It's okay," because this was a a few days before the 4th of July, my brothers had little sparklers. And what was really weird, without saying a word, they welcomed me to the fold. 
You want to talk about collateral damage, think about it. My youngest brother saw me get stabbed. It was around this time that my brothers, uh, they would have a snack time. And, and they would make mayonnaise sandwiches. You take a loaf of bread, you put some mayonnaise on it, and you fold it, and that's a mayonnaise sandwich. And every once in a while, they'd make an extra sandwich, open the door to the basement, fling down the sandwich, and say, hey, man, airmail. And I would nibble on it like a little mouse. I couldn't believe that they thought of me. And now I'm outside watching my brothers play with the sparklers. And that was just amazing. Afterwards, my mother fed me a little bit more. Again, gave me a couple clean T-shirts and another tourniquet. And I'm thinking, okay, she's trying to make up. Okay, she can't, she, she can't deny this. It can't get any worse than this. I'm glad she's making up with me. And I'm thinking, again, clean sheets. I can sleep in the brother's bedroom. I can have clean sheets and a real pillow, but no. She has me sleep on the army cot in the, in the basement. And I remember having nightmares. And I'm uh, just like this, 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 I can't pronounce a tsunami of blood. I had a nightmare about being drowned in this tsunami of blood. And I had a fever and I woke up that one night. And mom was right there, and she patted me down with a, a cloth on my forehead and so forth, and she says, shh, it's going to be fine, it's going to be okay. But unfortunately, two days later, we're back to normalcy. Two days later, I'm in the bottom of the basement. I'm sitting again on top of my hands, against the, my head's against that nail. Mom's upstairs watching her television show. The boys are either watching the show with her or playing. I don't know, I don't remember. My father's gone at work. And I haven't been fed since the accident. And I have a problem. I have a fever. And there, the slit is open because I'm doing all the chores. It hasn't had a chance to heal. And there's a, a yellow pus that's coming out of it. And I remember from my days in Boy Scouts, you know, a little, uh, they, they give you first aid classes like a snake bite class or so forth. And I remember thinking, I got to get this stuff out of my system and I realized she's not going to take me to the hospital and I've got to do something for myself so I kind of crawl over and waddle over to the, the rag pile and I stupidly just just touched my wound I took a rag and just you know tried to flick off all this pus and that was again not smart and now it was very painful and I remember just just either hitting my hand or hitting my head against the cold concrete because it was that bad and I had to think about what to do. And I told myself, you cry, you die. Do something. I've been in denial of my situation. I have to do something about this. I was smart enough to take a rag and stuff it down my mouth so I can bite into it and yell into it. And then I went behind the wound and just squeezed out as much as this pus as I could. And I squeezed it out. It took me several attempts, obviously, a long time for me. I don't know, five, ten minutes, which is a lifetime, because mom can check on me any second, and I'll get busted. And I squeezed it out until, you know, there was blood. And I, I kind of, I was proud of myself. I, 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 I had a fresh rag, and I kept it by my side, and I, and I went back to uh, the base of the stairs, and I cheated. I did not sit on my hands. And I cheated again. I allowed myself to sleep. I did something for myself. I'm starting to really accept the situation. I can't change the external part of it. But I can do little things. 
I've got to figure out ways to steal food more. I've got to tighten up parts of my body. I've got to think fast and move quicker to stay out of her way. And I was so proud of myself. I took care of that little wound. And I remember allowing myself to fall asleep. And I remember dreaming in color. And for some reason, I remember flying through the air and I had a red cape like Superman. And maybe like Superman, a lot of us, there's insides and outsides. People see us for what they think we are. Our appearance, our affability, our whatever, our personality, our inner drive, they don't see. They don't see how tough it is for some people. They don't see the blessings that we really, really have amongst us. Because a lot of people are just walking around in a state of denial. And sometimes you've got to squeeze out a lot of pus. And sometimes you just have to bleed out a little bit. And sometimes, like I said before, you've got to crawl on glass. And that's when I say, how bad do you want it? Fight for your marriage. Don't be your best friends, uh, your kids' best friends. Uh, uh, work a little bit harder. Give everything you have your best every single day in everything you do. Keep moving for goodness sakes. Denial can kill you. Denial, I can't imagine what my brothers, the collateral damage with them, even as adults, I, I, I saw it. One of my brothers, uh, Russell, it had a traumatic effect on his entire life, his entire life. And he just lost his life uh, last year. It was very, very, very sad. The pain that he must have gone through and the pain that he brought onto his relationships. The pain I brought onto my relationships or maybe being disconnected from my son a little bit. It's amazing. And I think now with time and tide, I can look at things clearly, honestly, and frankly, I don't like a lot of what I've seen or done. I've always tried to be my best. But I think sometimes I've been in denial in professional relationships. Uh, I've definitely been in denial in some of my personal relationships. I have obviously have uh, issues with trust or intimacy, but I'm trying to acknowledge them now. So with the time I have left, I can be a happier person because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's about. Happiness. And I believe getting good sleep. Here's a story that maybe will put us back to base here. I, I want to go on a cruise. <laughs> I was planning to go on a cruise. I've always been planning to go on a cruise. And years ago, uh, a friend of mine went on a cruise. And, and I said, oh, my God, what was it like? What was it like? And they were so excited, that, you know, the husband and wife. And they said, oh, my goodness, it was great. We, 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 we ate all the food. We danced. We watched the sunrise, the sunset. Made love once, twice a day. It was amazing. Got the best sleep of my life. The best sleep of my life. And, and I asked them how much it was. And I joked with them. I said, oh, my gosh, you could have done that at my house for half the price. And isn't it amazing what they said? Sleep, making love, eating, having a few drinks, dancing, sunrise and sunset. Everyday little things. Everyday little things, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thing about life is being happy with what you have. We have to accept the fact that this is going to be a new world for a while. And even when we get the vaccine, it's still going to be different. 
it will be a lot easier, but it's still going to be a different world. It's kind of like you see those films when people, oh, they're lovers. And when you come back, Johnny, from the war, when you come back from over there, say a prayer, the Yanks are coming. When you come back, Johnny, we're going to get married and we're going to have a little house and we're going to have lots of babies and blah, 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 blah. And we're going to start off right where we left. We're going to just pick it up right where we left off. Oh, hell no. War changes everything. There was that movie, um, what was it? Legends of the Fall with our good friend Brad Pitt. You know, and, and the youngest boy thinks, man, when I come back, we're going to get married and we're just, everything, you know, and the boy got killed and how it affected Brad and how it affected the other brothers, how it affected the whole family. When you go to war, it changes everything. And ladies and gentlemen, cancer is war. A divorce is war. We have to accept the fact that things will be different. We can no longer be in denial saying, you know what, it's my cost. I saw a, a, a clip about a lady, 70-year-old lady, uh, 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 didn't want to wear a mask at a Costco because she's an American. She knows her rights. It's not in the Constitution. I'm thinking, my goodness, you're the prime person that might receive this virus. You need to wear a mask so you don't get it or you don't give it. And it's just amazing to me how people... I don't know. I think maybe folks are stressed out and sometimes they just lose the common sense and they lose the goodness of themselves. Don't let that happen to you. You and I are better than that. Common sense makes sense. It's not easy to look in the mirror. It's not easy to take inventory. But once you clean up your house inside and out, you know what? A clean house is a happy house. Because I can't fall asleep, ladies and gentlemen, if I have a dirty house, and you know I love my clean sheets. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's our time. I want to thank you so much for listening, and hopefully these, these, these stories make sense. Because these stories are really not about me, ladies and gentlemen. They're about you. They're about all of us. What would we do? What would we not do? And so forth. That's what this whole thing is really about. And I really appreciate your time. And a couple things before we sign off here again, we want to thank our good friend Pat Metheny for the music. Again, you go to his website. Uh, I love his uh, songs from the 80s, the mid-late 80s with the Pat Metheny group and, of course, with Lyle Mays and uh, the early 90s. Love his stuff. So thanks again for giving us a listen. And please, please be good to yourself. If you're going through a rough patch right now, it's only for right now. There are better days ahead. Please keep the faith. Because in the course of a life, one never knows what events may transpire. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, as we say on the show, when the fit hits the shan and there's really nothing you can do, just smile and wave, folks. Smile and wave. And have faith. Have faith in yourself and your family. Have faith in your leaders and have faith of others around us. Right now, we need to be tall. We need to be firm. We need to be ensconced in our journey. You know, what it was that line? One never knows what the tide might bring in the next day. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, please do as much as you can for as long as you can for as many as you can. This is your host, Dave Pelzer, speaking to you in my own voice, saving America and the world at large from itself. So, until next time, T.
take good care. Good luck, good day, and as always, God bless.